Thank you for joining us today. We believe that the word of God is designed to make a mark in your life that is not easily erased. And right now, God is sharing to us about relationships and how our relationships should not be easily broken. I believe this word of God is going to do just that. Strengthen your relationships so they're not easily broken and you can move forward with a group of people that are supporting what God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Well, we're still in our series not easily broken because, you know, God just, God loves family. And so he just doesn't want us to just, again, just be flagrant with our, our relationships, um, but he wants us to be intentional in our relationships and not just allow them to go away easily or let any old thing just cause a division with us. And again, in particular, we've been talking about um, marriage, in our Wednesday night sessions, and we'll continue in that, but I promise you it's going to be a blessing to everyone who hears it. So thank you so very much for coming. Thank you so very much for signing on or whatever it is that you do to get the word, but uh, God is such a good God. We're going to start again, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, and we're going to talk about the power of agreement tonight, the power of agreement, how powerful that really, 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 really is. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24 in the King James. It says, Therefore shall a man leave his, his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Well, you know, this appeared more than one time in the Bible. This appeared also in Matthew chapter 19, so we're going to flip over there. Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. Let us start at verse 3. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 3. And it says... The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him. You know, the Pharisees were always trying to figure out a way to trip Jesus up with something. And so it says, and they saying unto him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? When I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, just any old, just any reason. Oh, my goodness, you walked in the wrong room backwards. I just, I don't like that. I don't. I don't like because you sat down incorrectly. I just don't, whatever. I just, and so they're asking Jesus, is it okay for us to uh, just put away our wives for every reason, any reason? And so in particular, the reason they said they were trying to to trip Jesus up or uh, do something is because Jesus at this point was in Judah and Herod had just beheaded um, John the Baptist, because he spoke against his divorce. So here it is. He's like, okay, we got him now. Okay, so what you got to say? What you got to say, Jesus? And so uh, it says, and he answered and said unto them, have you not read that which, that which made them at the beginning made them male and female? So here Jesus is saying, at the very beginning, God made Man and woman, he didn't make man and women. 
he made man and woman because the whole idea was for a man and a woman to come together, join together, and be one. He said that's, that was the original design for man. I did not, like I did all other creatures, I didn't make Eve from the ground. Because I wanted them to be joined together, I took a part of Adam and made Eve so that together they have equal rights, but together they are one. I made them a part of each other, and that is what I want marriage to be like. I want you to be inseparable. I want you to be one, become a part of each other, sharing equally. Amen. He said that was the original intent because I wanted them to connect with one another. And he didn't do that for any other thing except for Adam and Eve. And he said they no longer will be two, but they will be one because God is the one who's joining you together. And so, of course, they go on and say, and... um, well, Jesus says to them, and said, and he said to them, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they twain, the two of them, shall become one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain or two, but one. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. He's like, what God put together, don't be, in, don't be trying to put a wedge through that. Don't be trying to pull that apart, because this is something that God did. He wanted you to act as one. He said, when you get married, I want you to act as one unit, not separate, but together you act as one unit. Amen. And they said, and they say unto him, why did Moses then command to give a right of divorcement and to put, put her away? He said unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. Amen. He said, because of all the stuff you're doing, he said originally, that is, that is not the way God intended for it to be. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Let's go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. We're understanding that when you get married, God is seeing you as one, not individuals. I believe it's in the Message Bible. It says that when you get married, that is not the time to declare your independence. (laughs) You know, a lot of people do that. All of a sudden, let me be me. It's like, no, no. When we came together, we were forming something unique. We're forming a whole new us. It's not let me be me and you be you. And I feel like I'm losing myself. You should be. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like, I feel like, well, stop feeling like it. Read what the word of God says, what marriage is supposed to be like. It's interesting because, you know, here we give uh, people who are getting married, we literally do give them the marriage vows. It's like, here, read these because this is what's about to happen. This is what is about to happen because we want them to read them because a lot of times on the wedding day, no one's listening. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the bride and the groom, no, they're not, li- they're not listening. 
they're like, yeah, 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 come on, come on. Come on, okay, 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 come on, come on. Picture, picture, pictures, okay, 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 dinner, dinner, dinner. And I'm exhausted. Because <laughs> everything I did the night before, I stayed up late, I did this, so, uh, so what we need to do probably is hand it to them and say, or read it on your way to your honeymoon. Read them again, read them out loud to each other. Beforehand, you really need to discuss everything that's there. But again, uh, it's, it's God is saying, I'm, I'm making one new man out of you. So if you feel like you... I'm losing my independence. It, it, it's a different kind of dependence upon each other. How about that? It says in um, verse 7, he says, Likewise, ye husbands, well, let me go back up because I thought, let me not just pick on the husbands. Let's go up to uh, verse 6. Well, let's go up to, well, we have to have two verses. But anyway, verse 5. <laughs> For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God, trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. They, 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 they trusted God in their marriage. It says here, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, another one says he was devoted to Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as you do well and not afraid with any amazement. Then he says, likewise ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. He's talking again about a home that's made of two equal people. He's talking about um, having intimate insight, real, a realistic look at what is happening, a realistic look at who your wife is, talking about considering her, and he's talking about um, considering her desires, not being ignorant of her preferences, uh, treat your wife with respect, because they deserve honor. And the reason Paul is having to do this is because back then, if a woman was single and by herself, then she was treated pretty much as an outcast. I mean, it was like hard for her to make a living unless she had some kind of special craft. So the women were not esteemed high back then, especially if there was no male to take care of her. So Paul is saying, okay, now you can't treat your wife like this. You can't treat her like property. You can't treat her and, and be overbearing with her. He said, dwell with her according to knowledge, according to the way God sees marriage. You need to be realistic and intelligent about this. The fact that uh, I believe in the marriage vows, it says this woman walks beside you and she's not under your feet. She don't walk behind you. And this was all having to be said because of the idea that were already in men's minds and things that had been going on for such a long time that, that here Paul is talking to the husband. He's saying, okay, you gotta, you gotta treat her intelligently. You gotta, you gotta be realistic. You need to consider her. Um, understanding that this is a union uh, that's supposed to be coming together. This is two people coming together and you need to respect each other because both of you are heirs to the grace of life. Both of you have heirs to the kingdom of God. Both of you have access to God. Both of you got the Holy Spirit. Both of you can hear from God. So as far as Paul is concerned, you are one and no one is lesser than the other. And he says, you need to do this. And in particular, we're talking about husband and wife, but you need to do this so that your prayers are not hindered. Because if you're not walking as one, 
in agreement, then how are you going to agree on what to pray for? What's going on? You got you over here on this side of the house uh, praying to God. Uh, you know, you get pregnant. You got somebody over here saying, oh, God, no. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you got, you understand what I'm saying? Uh, I think we need to move into a townhouse. No, I want to live in the country with a white picket fence. And so, you, you know, it's like, hey, we need to pray for somewhere to live. And both of y'all praying for something different. And you get, you know, you praying? Yeah, I'm praying. It's like, what's God going to do here? <laughs> so he's talking about coming as being one, respecting each other and being as one so that your prayers will not be hindered because you don't want to be fighting against yourselves. Amen. Let's look at Matthew, Matthew chapter. Oh gosh, let me see. I think I'm going to do chapter 16 first. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And let us look at, um, Verse 17, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 17. Here's the account where Jesus is asked his disciples, who do me and say that I am? And God has revealed to uh, Peter that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. And in verse 17, this is Jesus' response to him. He says, and Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, upon this revelation of who I am, upon this knowledge of me being Jesus Christ, he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. Now here, when he talks about church, Jesus is actually using a legislative term when he says church here. Because we think of, you know, just us in the church, praise God, hallelujah, that type of thing. But here is a... a a legislative term, it means like in politics or government. It's a governmental a term that he's using here. And he's speaking of the church as an assembly, a group of people who have been summoned and gathered together to govern the affairs of a city. Jesus give, here, he's talking about government. He says, I, I, I'm going to build my church based upon this government. Amen. So here he's looking at the church as having some type of influence and authority. He said, upon this rock I shall build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. He said, I'm going to build my church based upon heavenly things. I'm going to build my church based upon the knowledge of who I am and who you are, I'm building my church, and nothing is going to be able. When he says the gates of hell shall not prevail against us, he's talking about nothing is going to stop the advancement of the church. Nothing is going to stop the advancement of the church. The enemy has no power to win the victory over the church. As long as you recognize who Jesus is, what Jesus done, you have a revelation of it, then when you have a revelation of who Jesus is and what your connection is, he says, the enemy can't overcome you. That's right. Hallelujah. And then he says, and I will give unto thee the keys. Keys symbolize authority and ruling power. He said, I'm going to give you some authority and some ruling power. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth 
shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, again, he's talking about if it's not permissible in heaven, then you can bind it here. If it's not, if it's permissible in heaven, then you can call it down here. He said, I'm going to give you some keys. I'm going to give you some authority. He says, now, uh, I'm, 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 giving you, <laughs> I'm giving you these things <laughs> based upon the revelation that you get from knowing who Jesus Christ is. And this is very, very important to us because God is telling us that I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you power. And see, when we pray together, because you know what the Bible says, when to, and we're going to read it, come together, you're going to have what you say. Now, it's not, it's not because of what you've done. It's because of what you know. It's because of what you realize. It's because of what, what, what God is saying to the both of you concerning life and things that are going on. So what we don't want to do is ever let Satan get between you. You don't ever want to be divided. You don't want to be divided in your prayers. You don't, want to, you don't want to be over here thinking one thing, doing one thing, and y'all acting separate. God says you, you don't get the power that I put you together to have. You don't get the strength. You don't get the authority that comes from more than one person coming together. Yes. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Ain't this good? Yes. So now let us go over to, uh, to uh, Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, understanding that we are the church, but we're not just people coming to hear a message. <laughs> Amen. Matthew chapter 18, verse 18. I just wanted to explain to you the, the unity and the church. I wanted to get that out there first. And so now we're going to look at verse 18 in chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, verse 18. And it says, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he says, Again I say. See, here Jesus is saying it again. Again I'm telling you this. So this is important. This is something he's saying, grab a hold to this. Grab a hold to the fact that I'm saying that you can bind on earth and you can loose on earth. He says, again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my father. So that is why it is important that when you're married, that you stay together. It is important that you don't let little things divide you. Have you just going off the deep end? I'm mad at you. You mad at me. We can't come pray together because we mad. What are you mad about? I'm mad because she bought pink toilet paper, and I know I told her to buy white. You all understand what I'm saying? Because this is say messing with you over things that don't matter. You just got your feelings hurt. But nothing is done. Nothing had happened to you. You didn't die because the pink 
Toilet paper is in the bathroom. You may not like the color. Why don't you just say, honey, next time you go, could, would you mind getting some white? Not, I told you to get the white paper. Well, maybe you should go and get the paper. Maybe you should go to the store. Honey, you don't have to go to the store this time. I will go to the store. You all are laughing, but those who are married, you know, you, 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 you know, you know, it could be some of the, and if you told somebody what you were arguing over, they'd be like, what? What if every argument you had, you went to a judge and they had to weigh it out for real? They would throw you, your husband, and whoever was your attorney out of court. They'd be like, that is a waste of time and breath. But they always get their way. Go to the store yourself. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> when I first got married, I can remember, and I don't even know when it happened, but Greg wasn't as tidy as he became. And I used to get so upset. I'm like, oh my God, can't you just put the socks in the dirty clothes hamper? Why are they beside the bed? Why every night they're beside the bed? So one day I decided to put the hamper beside the bed. <laughs> And guess what? They were still <laughs> not in the hamper. And one day, I'm just so upset over this. And God says, you're the one who wants the socks in the hamper. Put them in there. <laughs> See, because I'm fuming. He doesn't know I'm fuming, but I am. So that just meant the next time he asked me about something, I'm going to go off on him about the socks. It ain't about the thing. that we're discussing. It's all about those socks. That's really what it is. You all understand what I'm saying? So that causes, I mean, so, okay, so if, if it, let's come together and pray. Well, I don't want to pray because I'm still looking at the socks. You understand what I'm saying? That's... <laughs> Look at somebody say, just work with it. Because you don't want... <laughs> you don't want your prayers hindered because of something, because I just want my way, because you want some ego trip. I mean, whatever it may, it, it may be brewing or whatever may be going on. Because understand this, Satan attacks at the point of unity. He attacks your unity. You think it's just a little little thing that's going on, but you don't understand that Satan is attacking you because he's trying to keep you from acting as one. Because he knows how powerful, because Jesus said, again I say, Satan heard again I say. I say unto you that if two shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. You don't have to look up any, you don't need, you, don't, we, 
still understand these words? So, but God uses unity as a point of victory and overcoming, and we have to see it that way. So Satan works to cause division to come between you over anything, anything, because he knows that if you come together, if you agree on it, God says you're going to have it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we have to make sure that you stay together. Again, just helping you to understand that it's like a political turn. God says, this is, this is, this is how I'm going to build and run my church. And that you need to stay unified with one another. Uh, you need to stay, when it talks about coming together, it's talking about a, like a symphony. It's talking about a, a, a harmony. It's talking about you aligning your faith with each other. It's talking about perfectly united. It's talking about agreeing to ask God for something. Get this, with a symphony of prayers. That's what that's all about. And that's what God, that's his intent. And so you have to come together and talk about things that you don't like. It, it, it shouldn't all, it shouldn't, when you're upset about something, it shouldn't just all come out in an argument. I mean, there is, you can talk about it. Instead, what happens, things happen, you get mad, and for some reason, sometimes people don't say anything, or the way you say it, or when you say it. Makes, you know, makes a difference. We just had a car accident. By the way, I don't like the pink paper in the bathroom. What? You all understand what I'm saying? You, you're choosing, to, well, I should be able to say it anytime I want to. You need to say it when the person can hear it. Which means that you have to spend time alone in a relaxed place most of the time to discuss these things. Greg and I used to go for long walks, and I remember my kids be like, can, can we go? No, you can't go. Stay at the house. No, we're going for a walk. And we, so, we just walked in the rain. We, I mean, as long as it wasn't to rain, you know. But, but if it was just raining just a little bit, we just keep walking. And we just keep talking and discussing things and talking about the kids and talking about church and just talking. And then at that same time, we could talk about, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't like it. Or I felt this way when you did this. Or, or You all understand what I'm saying? You, so that you can stay unified because remember, Satan is after your unity because he's after your power and your ability to move forward in the kingdom of God, to move forward in the church. That's what he's after. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So God wants us to, again, make sure that we don't, that we're not divided. Make sure we're not divided. And we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4 now. Philippians chapter 4. Because praying together is ordained by God. And I understand that sometimes it can be a little uh, interesting um, uh, if you've been accustomed to praying by yourself. Um, it can, and I don't, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's true or not. I guess it's on both sides. Sometimes people feel uncomfortable praying with you. So it don't have to be long. I mean, the wife may be this prayer warrior, and she's got three million words, and she's calling down heaven, and, and then she asks you to pray, and the only thing you can say is, God, we need a car. I mean, it, you don't need to feel. 
You all understand what I'm saying? It's, a, it, it's good that you come together. You don't, and I'm not saying that, you know, this is my meditation time with God, so I want to bring you into my whole 30 minutes of my whole hour. It doesn't require that, but it does require you coming together so you know what you are agreeing on. And I'm telling you, there's so much power in doing, in doing that. There's so much power in doing that. My, my, my time with God by myself was one thing, but my time when Greg and I were agreeing on something was something totally different. Amen? And to be honest with you, just a note, husbands, if you lead it, I can't tell you the security and the safety that your wife would feel because you did it. And it really doesn't matter about the number of words. If she's got, remember people say that we got 20,000 anyway, a day. You only got 10. You got to preserve yours for something else, I guess. I don't know. But what I'm saying is it's not a competition. It's agreement. It's agreement, and it brings comfort to a wife when her husband takes the lead and do it. Now, okay, wives, here without your husband, don't go home and say, you, Pastor Deborah said, you need to be leading this. You need to be praying. I need for you to go get some scriptures or something. Let me write it down for you, you know, because I'll write it down. You can just repeat it. <laughs> we don't want to go there either, but allow them to have the liberty to pray the way they pray. Amen. Praise God. And <laughs> again, it's unity. And one of the things that causes disturbances in um, marriages is the stress that you're under. The stress that you're under. So in Philippians chapter uh, 4 and verse 6, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, let's look at this in the Amplified. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. And you know, if you're, if you're not married, find somebody that will agree with you. But agreement is two. It's two or three come together. Agreeing, you'll have what you say. But in, in this case, we're specifically talking about husband and wife because Satan tries to pull you apart. I mean, if for a person who is not married, you can just go, you can just go anywhere, find anybody to agree with you. But a husband and wife need to be agreeing together. Amen. He says here in verse 6, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything by prayer and petition, definite requests with thanksgiving continue to make your wants known to God. So if you're stressed out about something, that means that you need to pray. Because this, this is the promise. This is the promise. He said when you pray, he says, and God's peace shall be yours. Let's read it again. Do not fret or have anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything by prayer and petition, definite request with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. Continue to make your wants known unto God. He says, if you will enter into prayer and stop being stressed out, because if you're stressed out, what does that mean? I need to pray some more. I need to petition God because he says, if I do this, verse 7, and God's peace, 
shall be yours, that tranquil state of soul assured of his salvation through Christ. So fearing nothing from God and being content with this earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is, that peace which transcend all understanding shall Mount Garrison, Garrison, excuse me, Garrison, Garrison, and Mount Guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And I know this is a familiar scripture, but the thing of it is, is he said, when you pray, there is a peace that's supposed to come. And we have to understand, understand this, and uh, uh, I've been hearing and hearing more about it, that stress causes a lot of illness in our bodies. Stress causes a lot of ailments, and no one can give you a cure for stress. Nobody has a cure for stress. They can give you something to, I guess they call, mellow you out, but no one can cure stress except for what? We just read it. That's why, that's why in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, he says to labor to enter into my rest because God knows what stress will do to us. Stress will cause you to go way overboard in punishing your children. You all understand? I'm stressed out. All you did was knock over a glass of water. I act like you kicked down the table. Y'all know. Maybe it didn't happen to you guys, but you knew it happened to somebody else. Where the punishment actually did not fit the crime. It was like corporal punishment, and all they needed was just a reminder not to do something, but because of the stress, you go overboard. Because of the stress, I can't think. I can't, I can't wrap my brain around. I can't. And God has said the cure for that, the cure for that is prayer. Pray till you get that peace that surpasses all understanding. And in a marriage, that's very, very important. Because if you, whatever you're stressed about, you should be sharing, you should be sharing that with your spouse. So you two can come together and pray about whatever the situation is. It just requires more prayer. It requires uh, uh, hearing from the Holy Ghost. You know, there are times when I feel, you know how you don't have the words to describe me, so I just feel some kind of way. I know it's time for me to get with God because I don't have no business feeling some kind of way. I should know where I am. So that, to me, that means you need to find some music. You need to go read some scriptures. You need to listen to somebody preach, teach. You need, but you don't need to go to bed feeling some kind of way. You all understand what I'm saying? I was uh, uh, just talking to our ladies concerning those type of things. You, you, you pray till you get that peace that passes out. You, you pray till you get to that place where God says prayer is supposed to take you. 
You may not continue in prayer where you are, where you may have started that morning, but you, you keep getting with God and the Holy Spirit till he gives you that peace. And that peace, that peace may come from him giving you more information, sharing something with you concerning your situation, sharing something concerning himself as it relates to you. But the, place, the point is to get to a place of peace, to get place, uh, a place of peace. And he said it will mount uh, garrison and guard. And he talks about it's going to mount it over your hearts and your mind. It's going to settle your mind down. That's what prayer is supposed to do. It's supposed to settle your mind down because uh, a guard is like, it's a, like a military turn. It's something that's supposed to keep the enemy out. Keep him from messing with your mind. Because how many of you know Satan will mess with your mind? Because that's where, that's where he, he starts. And he'll give you thoughts. I heard someone saying this, and I thought, that is so true. He will give you thoughts in the first person as if you thought of it yourself. <laughs> you won't have a thought that says, you depressed. You have a thought that says, I'm depressed. You all understand what I'm saying? You get a thought, I can't take it anymore. Not you can't take it anymore because if your thoughts are saying, you, you guys sort of understand what I'm saying? So to get you to think that the thought that he gave you is yours when it's actually his. Because you know it's not God. God wouldn't be running around going, hey, you depressed. He wouldn't. If God was in here, he wouldn't go around saying, you are depressed. If anything, he'll say, come out of your depression in the name of Jesus. What we don't understand is there are demonic forces. We don't, sometimes the church don't want to think about that, but they are, and they're there to oppress. And so you getting thoughts, if, if the thoughts are causing you to have feel some kind of way or crazy, know that thought, first of all, is not God. And you need to cast it down because it's trying to exalt itself over the knowledge that you already know concerning God. And then you need to let that thought know, not think it back. I just love the example Pastor Dolly used to use. He said, you get a thought and then you think something else. Mm. Thought come. Mm. He said, you run around going, mm, mm, mm. He said, instead of opening your mouth, and casting down the thought, you're trying to outthink it. When the Bible says you'll have what you say. <laughs> just simple things, just simple things, amen. But this is where God wants you to be. Again, as married couples, don't let division come between you. Because only thing is happening is Satan is trying to distill your power and your ability to move forward. And God wants us to move forward. That's why he put these scriptures. That's why he gives us all these promises in his word. That's why he says, and I love it, Jesus said, and again I say. He's like, I'm not just saying this one time. Again I say. If two that have become one. That's what I like. If two that have, have become one, he says, 
you come together and you start praying about a situation, he said, you'll have what you say. You'll have what you say. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We believe that the word of God has the power to change our lives. And I just want you to know that we are praying for you. We're believing for you, for your relationships to be stronger than ever and be stable. This is the year of stability. And we're believing God that everything we touch will be strengthened. 